So what if instead of focusing on trying to figure out alcohol, you tried to figure out yourself. You learned how to do all of the things that you think alcohol is doing for you, but better. You tapped into really understanding what the messages from your body meant and how to use your emotions to your advantage and how to really expand your desires to get what it is you finally really want and have real, lasting, sustainable pleasure. That is possible for you, and it is all available to you in the self-study course, The Naturally Sober Woman. It is everything that I teach my one-on-one clients, but it is compact for you, lifetime access on demand at a super affordable price available to you right now. You're going to go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, right there. It'll say self-study course or follow the link in the show notes right here. Get in there. One short video, just the welcome ceremony. There's a commence, a beautiful commencement ceremony that really anchors you into your intention for wanting to make this change into your life will change your life forever. It'll put you on a trajectory of new possibility because the bigger your desire is, the easier it's going to be to say goodbye to alcohol. So go on over to my website, get inside of the Naturally Sober Woman, and I will see you in there. Welcome, welcome. My name is Mary Wagstaff. I am a life coach who ended a 20-year relationship with alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. In this podcast, we will explore my revolutionary approach to quitting alcohol that breaks all the rules, amazing stories from women who are throwing a better party because of it, and how you can stop drinking and start living. This show is not a substitute for rehabilitation, medical treatment, or advice, so please talk to a health professional if your alcohol consumption is a risk to your mental or physical health. Now on with the show. Hello, my beautiful listeners. It's Mary Wagstaff. I hope you're having an amazing day. I'm really looking forward to this interview today, to sharing this interview today with Keely. We talk about parenting and sobriety and about quarantine. Um, And my really biggest takeaway from this was that in an effort to be a really good parent, to show up to walk your talk, you first have to turn that motherly um, love towards yourself, that compassion, and sometimes even that fierce love with a little bit of a swift tap on the butt. And from that place, when you can soften around the way you need to show up for yourself, you're so much more willing to do that and to breathe a little bit deeper to the ones that you love the most and to the world around you, your capacity for love and for giving grows exponentially when you're able to do your, do that for yourself first. And I believe that coaching and really diving into what are the conditioned thoughts and the conditioned beliefs that make us act in ways that we don't even realize we're doing. So many people 
act in ways that they might not even be aware of based on, like I've said many times, a story that was created for us before we were even born. And when it comes to your relationship with alcohol, there is this underlying knowing that you are seeking something different but you have thought the same thought so many times that it's almost impossible to believe that a new way could be amazing. And that's why you'll hear people that stop drinking, like kind of talking about it incessantly. And, you know, for our, for my purposes and our purposes here, we're not shaming or blaming anyone. It's just that I am still almost in a state of shock of, how much better my life is than I thought it could ever be without the presence of alcohol. And so that's why you hear so many sober people like screaming and telling everyone like, oh my gosh, you got to check this out over here. And um, anyway, so coaching, really self-inquiry, mindfulness with observation, without judgment is that first step. And so if you haven't checked it out yet, it's not too late. We just started on Wednesday, the 40 days to freedom of alcohol, taking yourself from self-sabotage into that sacred journey of the self. And self-sabotage really shows up when you are doing and acting in ways that are really in opposition or not in alignment with this way you really want to be. And it's all of this sub um, conscious and conditioned patterning and thinking that we just don't know is there until you simply stop to pause, to take a look, to catch yourself and to sit in observation and get curious and be like, oh, wow, that's interesting. And when you declare it, which was the first week of really answering that call of, I know something's off here. I'm not quite sure what, but I'm going to figure it out. You're almost halfway there, and then we'll continue the process over the next five weeks. So go back and listen to Wednesday's episode if you haven't. And if you did, amazing. I hope you're doing the inquiries, which are all in the show notes. So if you miss a day, don't worry about it. Just take that little bit of time for yourself every day, every morning, if it's available to you. If not, you know, whenever you can fit it in, there's no judgment there. But the mornings are nice because they set the tone for the day and sometimes it's a little bit quieter. The mind hasn't kind of taken you away yet to what is, you know, the day has to offer. Um, And so I give some practical tools to use as well as just some inquiries of really setting and declaring an intention for yourself and following through with it. And so I wanted to kind of add that to the beginning of this episode because we do that for our children. We hold people accountable for their word. That is what relationships are. And we take personal responsibility for ourselves. But, you know, when we say we're going to show up to meet a friend for something or a friend says, hey, I really could use someone to talk to or our parents or our children, we show up for them. But we often fall short of that for ourselves. And you'll hear Keely beautifully talk about really turning and flipping the script on that for herself and really taking that feminine motherly approach like, hey, you know, maybe just, just today we just soften around this and we don't really push it so hard. 
and just see if that works a little bit easier. And it did, and it does. And she has so many beautiful words of wisdom. She was an amazing person to interview. And I just want to say a little shout out. Thank you so much, Keely, for your presence and your authenticity. It really means so much to me and to our beautiful listeners here. So um, if you're doing the 40 days, um, regardless Throughout the process, I would love for you to sign up for a complimentary alignment session with me so I can help you really go over your life intention. And there's probably one little thought in there that you're just not seeing that might be kind of the the key to unraveling a lot of it. So many people show up and they have this one little area that they, they're not quite grasping. They really believe it with all of their heart that it's the only way that it's the only truth. And it's really just a thought and there are other ways, but it's really limiting you and holding you back. But that's where that third party witness comes in. So I can see the things that you might not see just through writing down. So make that declaration, show up for yourself, just like you would for someone else, have that accountability, and then jump on the phone with me. You can schedule an appointment right on my website website, marywagstaffcoach.com. There's also the meditation portal there that's going to get you started. I hope you have a wonderful day and enjoy this episode. Take care. In your home, I have another beautiful, empowered woman joining me here today to share her story. And I couldn't be more thrilled to personally get to know her on a deeper level, but just have her here to have an awesome conversation. So welcome, Keely Rademacher. And Keely, I just wanted you to start by saying hi and introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what you're up to these days and what you're offering out into the world. Sure. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Um, I'm Keely. I am an artist and a mama and I draw, paint, collage, stitch, really anything I can get my hands messy with um, in the art studio. But what I really love is sharing the creative process with other people. Um, and so over the past couple of years, I've been primarily working with women in recovery um, using creativity. So art workshops and women's gatherings and um, sometimes they're co-ed, um, not strictly just with women, but I'd say the majority of um the, the people that come to me are women and we open up. I find that anytime you're using your hands, um, it just lends itself to, to being able to be open and share more and be vulnerable and in a safe, in a safe way. So, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. I one of the things that attracted me to you, I first saw your who you were on Instagram, you know, through a mutual friend commenting. And um, I really loved your expression, seemed very intuitive and very raw and um just yeah, like a real expression. And I am really excited to hopefully work with you in the future, um, doing some creativity. So Thank you for sharing that in the world because I think that that's such an important piece of the healing journey. Um, and just to start out, so we can get a little bit of a feel for you know what your journey has been like, kind of briefly. If you want to start by talking a little bit about just your history around alcohol and kind of how it showed up in your life. Yeah, sure. So I, um, you know, I started experimenting um, like most you know, teenagers do. And um, I went off to college and 
um, was pretty much a, you know, weekend warrior. Um, I was in a pretty demanding art program. So, you know, I, I really took that seriously and um, worked really hard in the art studio during the week, but um, I just lived for those weekends of partying and, um, but it was still just like an extracurricular kind of thing. And um, after I graduated, I started an art program at the State School for the Blind and it was just really nourishing. It was fulfilling. I loved, I loved it so much. I just threw all of my energy into this job. And um, so really just alcohol, again, was, was just kind of a weekend thing. Um, but when, when my drinking picked up, it was when my husband and I moved across country and um, we lived in California and we just uprooted ourselves. So we didn't have any friends or family. I didn't have a job out there. And um, it was just, it was a very, very hard time for me. And I, that's when I started drinking more, more regularly, you know, just still in the evenings, a happy hour kind of thing. But it was by far the highlight of my life. <laughs> it mm -hmm. was what I uh, pretty much revolved my, uh, my existence around. And, um, and so, you know, I was, I was painting, I was, I found the artist's way too. That was another time that I, um, or that was another really revelatory um, experience that I had was um, reading The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And um, that's when I realized, oh, well, what's happening here is that, you know, I haven't been creating. And so that's when my creativity really picked up again. And, um, and then we moved to Portland um, after five years. And I'm in Portland, Oregon now. We've been here for about almost 10 years. and. Um, I, I still just wasn't finding my niche like in life. <laughs> and so it was just, I don't know, the drinking, it wasn't like an all day drinking. It wasn't anything like that. I believe, you know, in the gray area drinking and the spectrum of alcoholism and, and all of this, but it, it was definitely a big part of my life and just absolutely crushing my spark and um, mm. just playing a bigger role in my life than I wanted it to. And I could tell it was holding me back. And I knew that, you know, for a long time, like I knew that the, it wasn't really doing me many favors, but I also loved it. And it was the one thing that I could count on that would bring me joy. And um, it wasn't until probably um, 2016, um, the fall of 2016, that I realized I, um, and at this point I had a two-year-old, um, and I was like, wow, this is getting kind of out of control. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I actually think that I should probably maybe do an outpatient program or, um, I don't know, I really need to examine this. And I decided that instead of going to rehab or doing anything like that, um, probably the best way for me to get sober is to get pregnant because, mm. you know, that was the longest stint that I had ever gone before of not drinking was when I was pregnant with my daughter. And so that was, that was my plan. And so I got pregnant and I decided um, that was it. Like that was going to be my, my recovery period. I did hip sobriety school, which is now the Tempest um, with Holly Whitaker. And I read every book on addiction. I must've read 10 or 15 books and I mean, I really, it was a lifestyle change at that point. And I was going to, um, I was just, I was just really, 
um, inspired by, by Holly and that movement and just by people that women that were empowered by being mm -hmm. sober and at that mind shift and reading the naked mind, that was another one. Um, it changed my perspective into being, you know, this thing that was going to be taken away from me mm -hmm. as opposed to, Oh, take this poison away from me and I can mm -hmm. live and be empowered. And so that mind shift is what did it for me. And, um, I would love to say that, you know, I never drank again after I got pregnant, but, um, the reality is I had a newborn and a three-year-old and my husband was traveling two weeks of every month to Asia. Um, and we don't have any family here. And so I was so hard. It was the hardest time and I had anxiety through the roof and, mm. um, yeah, early sobriety mixed with no sleep from breastfeeding and mm -hmm. being hungry and tired and all of those things. Um, it, it definitely um, started back up again. And um, and so I went to therapy for the first time in my life. It's like, yes, you should probably go to therapy now that you're, you know, 30 something years old. Um, and it was life changing. It was, uh, it turned me into... I found myself, you know, I realized, oh, you know, I can support me and love mm -hmm. me and change that voice in my head from being this relentless, authoritative parent, you know, just berating myself all the time. Um, and I can be loving and kinding and kinding, <laughs> loving, mm -hmm. kinding and, um, and compassionate. And so that, that switch did it for me. And so I, I had my last drink in June of 2018 and I remember it so clearly. And it was like an out of body experience. I saw myself drink it. I was like, what am I doing? I'm not even mm -hmm. enjoying this anymore. Like mm -hmm. this is so silly. And that was my last drink. And, um, yeah, it's been the greatest it's been the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I've revolved my life around, you know, being an advocate for sobriety. And um, I really, really want to help people to to switch that mind shift. So I love what you're doing. I really love the, the coaching and um, all the help that you're doing for, for people. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Thank you so much for sharing that. And I think that so many people can feel that weight, that weight of parenting, feeling alone, you're depleted. And, um, you know, if you hadn't first been learned of how to support yourself from a shift of perspective, from internal resources, it's like, how would you, you know what I mean? Like, of course you're going to go to the easiest next thing. Um, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about, um, in therapy and you did say, you know, the self-talk and this mindset shift. So was that really what that provided for you was just a growing awareness of your, of your options of choice? Oh, sure. I mean, I, I thought that I love this example. So I, um, probably 10 years ago, I got my first book on addiction and, um, I found it the other day and I opened the front of it and the front cover, I'm like, man up Keely, like get your shit together. Like, you know, just <laughs> like, like, just let me whip this out of you, you know? And, um, wow, and so yeah. that switch versus, Hey, like, let's kind of filter in some, some sober days, you know, like, what if you just went one day and then, 
that would be so great, Keely. You know, and mm. just this, um, yeah, just a kind, compassionate, just gentler, <laughs> nourishing way of um, approaching yourself. I mean, was really a dramatic mind shift for me. So I needed counseling um, to, to change that. Mm. Yes. Oh my gosh, Keely. I just, this message is just resonant with everyone that I have spoke with. I'm just so glad you're saying this because I think it's such an important shift and this distinction to make, because as we know, there's a couple ways to get sober. You can do it through deprivation, um, which is like, why not me? Why can't I? Or you can do it and find freedom. Um, and the way that you're talking about through this motherly, compassionate, feminine approach is really the way to the other side where not only are you, you know, you know, changing your relationship with alcohol, but you're also changing the quality of your life in a way that you may never have. Um, exactly. And I just think that that's so beautiful. And I'm just so glad that you had that experience. And to, for me to see this theme throughout is just, um, is just so beautiful to witness. And so thank you for sharing that. And like the word even man up is just <laughs> hilarious, God. you know? It's the just, worst. <laughs> it's just so funny. And I mean, I really think, is it not resonant with the culture that we live in and how women have had to strive to become you know, and the ranking and high, you know, higher ranks and up leveling themselves have had to do it in this way, even competing with one another. And so it just brings things back to like this full circle. And um, I'm just so glad that you found the support you needed through, you know, the Tempest and and, and the therapy that you found sounded really supportive of, of that compassionate, um, that compassionate mindset shift. So, um, and congratulations on, you know, 2018. And like, I just think it's so awesome. So um, <clears throat> I wanted to kind of, we had talked earlier, obviously about where we are currently, we're currently in the state of quarantine and you, I know have kind of shifted back into now, you know, the kids are both home again and <laughs> you, you know, life is different for everyone. Everyone is kind of at home with their family and changing work dynamics and all of these things. And so, um, I just wanted to ask you, what is the current state of how, what's going on for you right now in your life? And, even how what had happened in your process of, of sobriety is really supporting where you're at now. And so if you just want to talk about like the current state that you guys are in at home. Sure. To, yeah. to whatever degree it feels comfortable. <laughs> right. um, yeah. Well, one of the things I did, uh, I, we talked about earlier is I see so many parallels between early sobriety and parenting and quarantine and, um, so I have a two and a half year old and a um, six year old, she turns six next week, daughter. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's, I think the number one thing is, is to rest, like to mm -hmm. rest, to relax, to chill, like, and, and that was something that I learned in early sobriety. Like I came from a family that I swear to God, never sat down like my mm -hmm. entire life. And, um, you know, it's just, why would you be sitting down when you could be improving in some way? And um, I met my husband's family and they were like sitting on the couch for <laughs> like, let's, let's have a calm conversation with no agenda. And 
um, that, that lifestyle and that just way of being in the world is what has helped me through early sobriety of, I don't have to fight, right? Like I don't have to swim upstream all the time. Like, Mm. of course I could be freaking, you know, pureeing all my kids meals or not, you know, when they were babies, obviously, Mm -hmm. but, um, there's just always more that you could be doing. And we're getting that message right now in the quarantine of do this 30 day art challenge, or this is a great time to cleanse or like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, actually right now, just like in early sobriety, there's so much under the hood that's happening. Like your brain is rewiring, like Mm -hmm. you're, hormones are regulating like there's just there's so many things that are happening that um we just need to be gentle with ourselves and let that evolution happen and I think like yeah just to like I I think I think the collective unconscious right now like or the collective consciousness excuse me is is stress and I think that we're all feeling that right I think mm-hmm. it's affecting our nervous systems whether we're cognizant of it not of it or not and I think to just to just rest and be easy on yourself and if that means taking a couple meditation breaks or breathing breaks or letting your child watch a screen for half an hour or mm-hmm. whatever you need to do to just um just take a load off your back <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I thank you so much for saying that. And I think that that's like the biggest piece when, and you're absolutely right about the early sobriety and then quarantine and like people's lives are shifting. I mean, for me, I, my little boy is home. He was in school part-time same. And, you know, so I had a shift in my schedule we all have. And I think that that's the biggest piece. We're so ready to override, um, what we're feeling. And then that's, that's what alcohol was doing all of those years. And all of those times was not allowing you to be with what is, and, you know, God forbid you feel an emotion and you just allow it to play its course. Um, but the more we allow ourselves to do that. And even in this time is like, okay, you know, how is this showing up for me in this anxiety and why am I feeling, um, ungrounded? And can I just be with that enough to, to watch it and to, and to let go and to allow it to be, and know that at the end of it, nothing bad really is going to happen when I'm experiencing, um, experiencing that emotion. So thank you so much for bringing that up. And I, I think it's so funny that you pointed out to like people, all of these challenges and stuff. I talked to someone yesterday and she was the same thing. She, she was like, I was going to offer something on Facebook, but then I went on and saw that there was like chaos and everyone is like, do something. She's like, I just thought, no, not today. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, I think that that's, I think that that's super, um, very insightful of it doesn't have to be a race, right? We are given this opportunity right now, if we take it as that to just be, um, so what are you guys, how are you, interacting with the kids now that they're home? I mean, are you guys supporting school time and how are you kind of finding the balance between supporting yourself and then also having to support the family? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, we've had this beautiful spring. Just, mm -hmm. I mean, we live in the most beautiful place. I think just, it is so lush and gorgeous. And so, um, you know, getting outside has been, you know, very important for us. Those rainy days um, are really challenging. Um, but yeah, I would say getting outdoors, um, you know, breathing in real fresh air and interacting with nature has been um, really valuable for all of us. Um, I definitely make um, time for myself, you know, a couple hours a day um, and it changes every day when that's going to be or <laughs> what I'm going to be mm -hmm. doing. But I mean, I have, I have to paint um, or do something creative, you know, every two or three days um, or I get that, that itch. Um, and there's, you know, some form of movement. Um, and I do that with, with kids or by myself. Um, I'm trying to, you know, go down that list of my tools and the things that I know that I need to do for my physical body and my mental health. And I used to do a lot of these things solo and I'm incorporating it with the kids. Now there's cosmic kids dance party. That's pretty great. Um, and there's just, yeah, I would say that's one thing. And then for school, you know, my kids are younger than yours. So, you know, just being in kindergarten, um, they, they are sending plenty of resources home for us, but at the same time, they're being just really kind to us about, you know, take care of your family. Like mm -hmm. really all we have to do right now is keep our children alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. That would be great if you could also, you know, do some technology and the math and the, all that stuff. But also, you know, there's a lot of value in play. Mm -hmm. And so I'm trying to do what I can, but I know that we're good parents. I think reading books and, and just playing also are valuable. You know, I'm not going to discredit, you know, us for not getting the, you know, three hours of the, the video content that they're supposed to have for school or whatever. So no, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I think it's a very similar, um, journey with the same with, um, changing your relationship to alcohol. I really think it's so individual. And I think there's a lot of rules about what education and parenting looks like. And I, I think the more you dive into that sense of trusting yourself and your intuition that, you know, you've created, you know, for yourself through your sobriety, through your journey of sobriety, um, is really useful for all situations of like, no, like this feels right. And this feels supportive of, of myself, my family. And, you know, that the efforting all the time is just exhausting. And I don't think it's valuable all the time, you know? <laughs> so I think it's great to like, to listen to your intuition um, with that. And I wanted to kind of make a parallel of, um, did this, this time frame for you and, you know, where you were before when you were drinking and you were um, very high stress and you said you were having a, a lot of anxiety and you were using alcohol as a tool for coping. Um, what was your, what was a shift in belief that you think that you had or just thinking, I mean, you did talk about mindset shift, but um, you know, from that time until now, the way that, you know, your, your inner resilience has changed. If you can talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think that you, you have a certain amount of energy and, you know, you're, you're well, if you will, when you wake up in the morning, your well is full and 
I think that I'm better now with maintaining that through the day, you know? So I think before I would, I would just go, go, go and grind myself until I was absolutely depleted so I could earn that happy hour drink, you know? Mm. And so I had to really deserve it. I felt like to me, um, you know, what I had to prove to myself that day and what I had to do as a parent. And, and I was just so utterly exhausted by that point in my day. Like, I really felt like I had to have it. And, and now, you know, I still feel, I mean, rel- relatively restored by, you know, the, the late afternoon, you know, I might've meditated by then. I might've taken a walk. My, you know, I, I did, I did some things for myself to, to give myself rewards in healthy ways throughout the day, as opposed to, um, you have to earn it, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and that being the only reward. I think that was probably one of my only rewards in life was, was alcohol. And now I, I have lots of other ways of nurturing myself. I take warm baths and talk to friends and just, just other ways of, um, yeah, maintaining that store of, uh, energy and reserves and just filling your heart, you know, like filling your heart for yourself so that you can give that back to your family. And um, yeah, that's beautiful. I definitely find the distinction with like there, you know, being in, you know, independent and being able to do all the things. And then um, when you get sober, how you realize the what real self-care is um is like becomes blatantly obvious that you know I mean for me like that I was never really doing it kind of like I thought I was by you know by you know even just spending time with myself or just doing what I wanted when I wanted but then realizing what that real self-care means actually listening to your needs on a really Mm -hmm. subtle level it's just such such a shift. And, um, so, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about stress and what, like, what are some tools? I mean, I know you said you're really, you take me, you know, this me time and you have all of these things that you're doing for yourself to help kind of keep that well full, or at least like maintained at a, you know, even keel. Um, but when it does get overwhelming for you, I know that for a lot of people, it's like, oh my God, the end of the day, I haven't had any time to myself, the kids, the food, and everyone's yelling and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, what are some ways that you've really shifted to respond to that? I mean, you know, because obviously there's so many things out of our control rather than being like, I'm going to have a drink and this is the only way I'm going to be able to relax. Um, yeah. Or just even responding to stress in the moment. What are some of your go-to or how has that changed as well? Yeah. Um, I have found that I, if I can just have literally five minutes of space, like if I can just remove myself from a situation that feels explosive to me, you know, if I take a drive or if I just step away in my room for a minute, it does wonders. Like it just, it, it lowers, you know, my nervous system, you know, the reactivity, you know, so that I'm able to respond instead of react. And, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, I'm, I'm also very grateful. I have a partner that's supportive. So he really does like swoop in in the evenings when, you know, I've been going for 12 hours, <laughs> I'm like losing it, you know, and mm-hmm. he'll let me, you know, um, you know, go off and, and get in the studio or get on a meeting and, um, you know, it's a, that's helpful. Um, one of the things too is, I don't know about you, but I, I've really enjoyed when, when you can't, you know, you can either fight something or you can enjoy it. Right. And Mm -hmm. I, um, I've really enjoyed being with my kids, I think more than, um, I would have in the past, like, I don't mean that that might've come out wrong, but like intentionally playing with them and actually, um, really, really enjoying this special time that we have together, you know, and cuddling on the couch and, I feel like there has been a lot more um, just slowing down and genuine like love and appreciation for them. Whereas, um, you know, before I was trying to get my business up and going or applying to grad school or doing what I was doing. And it's easy to be like, okay, go to school, come home. Let's do the, you know, just go through all the Mm -hmm. things. But now it's like, you know, we can just slow down and like play in the backyard or, you know, lay on the couch together. And, um, I think that just little moments of just taking a breath, you know, when things are heightened to be like, this isn't that big a deal. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you can just take a big breath and, um, you know, it doesn't always work, but that's, that's one of the things <laughs> I've been trying to do too. No, absolutely. I mean, the breath is such an amazing undervalued tool. If you're not, if you're not used to tuning into it, I mean, three deep breaths, and I work. I've worked on that with Emmett. Of is just, is just invaluable. It can just change your whole perspective. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. Of um, just shifting that mindset of appreciation, because you know, <clears throat> of course, we innately love our children unconditionally when they're born. But becoming a parent as an adult, you have to shift into. I mean, I think there are people that are like naturally children, people and they're teachers and they're amazing. And I think that that's fine. But even as an adult, you are kind of always having to put yourself back into a a different perspective. And so, um, yeah, in this time, since it, there isn't anything, you know, welcoming, welcoming the time and kind of just falling in love with it and slowing down. And I find myself just like gazing into my kids' eyes and just being like, you know, the learning that's happening, the mind exploration. And so just shifting that mindset into how can I enjoy this wonder and awe of watching someone grow and develop. And I really think that the mindset shift of falling in love with the chaos sometimes of parenting is really the same that you have to do um, when you're really shifting your relationship with alcohol too, is like, you have to choose to believe it's going to be better. You have to choose to believe that um, you're going to fall in love with a new part of yourself and your life. And it's, I just, it kind of all comes down to the same thing of choice and perspective and mindset shift. And even in the quarantine times as sad and, you know, as sad as there are so many things happening in the outer world, um, we still have our own individual lives to choose you know, to choose how to respond to this situation. Um, and it sounds like you're doing a really great job of it. I'm so excited for you. <clears throat> you too, you too. Yeah, I think that the, 
that this too shall pass, you know, in those, in those moments where it is, um, heated, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it is like early sobriety, you know, where it's like, you know, this feels hard right now, but you don't have to have an immediate gratification, an immediate escape, like just this will pass very soon. Yep. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I, I say like, maybe, you know, I used to tell myself, maybe you just need a drink of water and just to go to bed early and just let yeah. it, you know, and you just kind of re wake up refreshed. And even sometimes I think that that can happen with our day. Um, I wanted to ask you in kind of a closing a little bit about belief, because I do think that um, you know, when you're in the throes of a relationship with alcohol, you, um, and you can tell me if, how you feel about this, of course, but that your, you know, your belief system is created around alcohol being, you know, like you said, you really looked forward to it as like the best thing. And it was, it was awesome. Um, and then you, when you, when you shift that relationship, you realize you're like, oh my God, no, it never was. Um, but what is a belief that you think that you have now that you never would have believed was true when you were drinking? I thought I had to have it. I mean, I, mm. I, I knew that there were people that didn't drink. I mean, obviously there, there were, but these were not my people. And that mm. wasn't a lifestyle that I was, I didn't, I certainly didn't have any friends or anyone I knew that, that did not drink. You know, I'd have, you know, a couple here and there, but like not, I really thought that I, that I had to have it. And, um, so, I mean, I, I think that that is yeah. probably a big one. Um, you actually don't. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I rem you know, just, go just seeing that there's, there's plenty of lifestyles out there that don't involve alcohol. Like, I know when I was pregnant or when I was getting sober and you go to your first concerts and weddings and you know, sporting events and all these things. And lo and behold, like actually everyone is not drinking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? it's like, but I mean, that was, that was what I knew. That was my world. And um, so I think to just know that the, and my world was just so small. I think that that is a mm. perfect example of just how small and constricted and tight my little world was. And Mary, now it's so expansive. Like mm -hmm. I learn and I read and I want to learn more, you know, and um, I didn't have that, that, that zest for, for knowledge and exploration um, when I was just so stuck in that tiny little habitual cycle, you know? Yes. That's beautiful. Oh my gosh. I know this, um, a woman that I interviewed earlier this week, she said her two words are expand and explore. So it sounds like a common theme amongst, um, when you, especially that shift of next, like, I don't want to say next leveling yourself of like, you know, we got to pursue all these things, but just that, that's why this podcast is called stop, stop drinking and start living because it is, it's like, there's such a bigger world out there. Like that is, is going to surpass any feeling or any flood of dopamine that you ever would have had just by the curiosity. And so what would you say to someone who's just 
new on the journey or just even starting to question your their relationship with alcohol and you know like you were saying earlier that one day like you know maybe just today maybe just today i'm sober but when that belief of um i thought i had to have it or you know there's no way i can live without this what would you say to that person who's in that place because it's really hard like the switch does flip in your brain but it's really hard to be in belief of a different a new way of life when you're in that place of, I have to have it. Oh, sure. I think that takes time. I mean, I mm -hmm. really do. I think that was so important that we talked about my timeline earlier. Um, yeah. But I mean, it does take a long time. Yeah. For your beliefs to switch. But um, I think that noticing is, is really important. And um you know, I think you you even talked about this in an earlier podcast about being being a witness and without the judgment piece. And I mm -hmm. think if you can just um, just to simply be aware of of your drinking choices and how it affects you afterwards, and and make some you know you. You can try some some small some small changes, but when I started drawing it in my art journal of seeing, you know, how much time in my day was taken by, you know, the hangover, the planning, the preparing, the the actual drinking was this tiny little slice of my day, mm -hmm. right? But then the aftermath and the before and the preparing and all of that just takes so much of your mental capacity. And when I saw that out on paper in a visual form, that was the switch for me that mm. really made me realize, oh, like there's, there could be better things <laughs> in my life, <laughs> in my day, in my mind than this. Um, yeah, I, I think that in, um, and also, yeah, I would say that. Yes. I'm so glad that you brought that up because it really, it's just that slowing down process because when you're in it and it's your life, it's like, oh yeah, like it's just, it's habitual. It's a habit and it's autopilot, right? It's like, oh, go to the store, get the thing, do the thing. And then, you know, even when you are witnessing you're like even when you experience even the negative repercussions you're just like oh like you don't it's like that pulling yourself back that third party perspective of like okay and I love the tool of creating a visual I'm so glad that you said that or just a timeline of your day of like and seeing all together how much alcohol is really taking away from your life and um yeah that's amazing so were you and um I just am curious were you like did you start doing like journaling, doing your art journal f with that as, um, as like the topic or how did that work for you? How were you utilizing that as the tool? Um, I, I mean, I, when I art journal, I usually don't go in with any sort of plan. Um, mm -hmm. so it just happened intuitively, I guess. Um, I think it also came from, have you ever seen the, the life pies or um they have a hundred different names but if yeah. a circle take make a pie graph with you know spirituality and knowledge and um physical health and, and all of sure. the different aspects yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, to create a well-rounded mm -hmm. person um 
I think that it might have come from maybe playing around with one of those and then it turned into how about I turn that into, you know, a 24 hour period because, you know, that model in itself can even change, you know, day to day with the, the spirituality component and, and all of those. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that, I think it just happened from, I mean, I've always been an art journaler, so it's hard to say, you know, exactly. Yeah, no, I love that. Thank you, though, for that, because I think that that visual um, could be really striking for a lot of people. And so um, I think that that could be a great tool for people. So thank you for that. Um, Keely, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I just wanted to give you an opportunity to let people know if they want to find out more about art with you. Is there a way that we can do that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my handle on Instagram is Pink Cloud Project. And if you're in the Portland area um, on meetup.org, um, we're Pink Cloud Project PDX. Um, and yeah, DM me, email me. Um, I would love to hear your you know, personal story or um, if you want to connect in some way. So That's so awesome. Thank you so much. And we'll make sure all of that is highlighted in our notes and everything. So Keely, have a wonderful day. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. And I know that this will be of great value to so many people. And if you're in quarantine and you're with your children and you're wanting to just make the most of it, I think that the point of just taking a couple of breaths, if you feel like you don't have the time for yourself, is just simply walking away, even going to the bathroom and just take a few deep breaths and come back and, you know, a fresh perspective. So just well wishes to everyone who's listening today. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. You're welcome. The process of unraveling your story outside of the confines of alcohol is truly a sacred and beautiful journey of the self. Rediscover who you are and a whole new world again. Stop by my website, marywagstaffcoach.com to get instant access to the on-demand workshop of my revolutionary five shifts approach. And while you're there, you can sign up for a one-on-one consultation where we will create together your life intention. This is the framework for which all of your decisions around alcohol are made from your truest and highest self. In addition to working remotely worldwide, I host private one-on-one healing retreats at my sanctuary in Mount Hood, Oregon. I can't wait to connect.